Welcome to the Bible Talk to Josh and Heather. This is a show that discusses deep theology in a simple way. If you're interested in theology but don't consider yourself a theologian, this is a show for you. We're Josh and Heather Tax, we minister to and lead the Southern Hills Baptist Church in Las Vegas. We love each other, love theology, and love to talk. You can find this in previous episodes on our iTunes podcast or on KBXL 101.1 Experience Liberty Radio. We always begin with a little fun. So, Heather, let's get started. Okay. We got you. Y'all thought your podcast was messed up. Well, see, we're here's just the th- fast talkers. We're very fast talkers, and we have to. We're 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 running late. We're building our speed, <laughs> so we tried to shorten the intro, but we didn't have anything we could cut, so we thought we'd just say it fast. Amazing. Yeah, man. So let's have a little fun. What well, what fun thing do you have for us today? First of all, welcome to episode fifty four. Fifty four. Exciting, exciting, exciting. Yeah, episode number fifty four is going to be good because today we're talking about metaphors for the church. Um, the body, the building, the bride, and that'll be an interesting conversation. Oh, and guess this, Heather, check this out. We have a recent review on our podcast. No, we don't. Yeah, we got all these five-star ratings, 59 five-star ratings, which is amazing. That means like, you know, a billion people listen and only 59. 59. Yeah, five-star reviews. But here's the review that somebody gave us. This is fantastic. Listen to this. I can't wait. This review says, fun and educational. (gasps) This is by... Snippy Nimi, Snippy Nimi, S N P Y N M E, Snippy Nimi. Okay, I don't think that's the real name. I think it's a pseudonym, like Esther had. Right from our previous episode. Yes. Go back and listen. This person says he, she, or uh, whatever says love that they make theology fun by keeping it relatable to daily life. I prefer yeah, Josh. Do. Over no, Heather. they don't say that. No, I just wanted to add that. But thank you so much for the five-star review. I knew Snippy rating. would throw me under the bus like that. And thank Snippy you. Snippy don't roll like that. Snippy don't roll like that. And for the review. And look, hey, if you want to go on iTunes right now, give us a review. That's fantastic. It mm-hmm. helps people find our podcast. Yes, and if you review us, we're going to make this special offer. We're going to, once we get um, a certain number of reviews... A thousand. Then we're going to draw one of those and give you a free Bible Talks t-shirt. Right. Yep, absolutely. We're going to draw one out of a thousand reviews and give you (laughs) This is great. That's a great way to put it out there so far out that it's never going to happen. (laughs) Uh, But no, seriously, do that for us. And we'll give you a shout out uh, as well. So it's kind of a win-win scenario for everybody. Because now you're famous. Now you're famous. People will know all about you snipping into me. me. A fame. Don't let it go to your head, Snippy. (laughs) <laughs> so we have a little fun you've got for us, Heather. What, what is the question or okay, game before today, we begin? Okay, today, as we get to know a little bit about one another, and you've got to make sure you ask this to your We are your getting coworkers. to know each other. It has only been, what, 18, 19 years we've yeah, been married? Yeah, you're still just a constant surprise. Oh, my <laughs> word, it's exhausting. <laughs> um, if you are at work, make sure you pop off those earphones, those earbuds, yep. and ask your coworker. Or if you are with your friends and family, make sure you ask this question to them. See if you know them. So here's what we're going to do today. I know your answer, and I think you're going to know mine. Okay. But we're going to guess not only for each other, but then we're going to guess for Crystal. Hey, Crystal. Good to see you, Crystal. So the question is, and don't answer, Crystal, because we're going to guess. Would you prefer a cozy bed and breakfast or a five-star hotel? A cozy bread and it's not even not a, bread. It's bed and breakfast. It's not even a, a a choice. What do you? But for Crystal, what do you think Crystal would choose? She's gonna pick a five star hotel. I think she's gonna go for a bed and breakfast because a lot of times they're in historical areas, things like that. So Crystal, what do you say? Crystal, tell us. I go with the hotel. Hotel? Where? What city? 
Where? What city? Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm throwing um, it out there. Any anywhere? Anywhere in the world. Oh, okay. Um, Dubai. You could go Jerusalem. to Dubai and wear, you know, a head cover. Actually, no, Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv. Yeah. Why Tel Aviv, not Jerusalem? The beach. The beach is you amazing. You get a pool and a beach. Oh it's yeah, that's great. true. But no historical, nothing to see. Yeah, but from Tel Aviv, you could like branch out to all the different places. It takes like three hours to get from Tel Aviv oh to Jerusalem. Oh my goodness, I don't. It, if I can be in a five-star hotel, I can clearly have like a private charter plane and do whatever I no, want. No, somebody got you the hotel and and you broke. You they get they left you with no right, money. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ruining your own fantasy. Okay, Tel Aviv. Italy. I'll be in Italy somewhere. I Italy. Haven't oh, she went off continent. She's like, well, okay, because I'm if done. I have no money given to me, if I'm yeah. not super rich at this point, then I have to backpack from wherever this five-star hotel is. Oh, that's so. true, and you can do that from Italy. Oh, right, valid. All over Europe. Okay, All right, there you go. So, Crystal, why don't you like people? Why don't you like a bed and breakfast, Crystal? Why don't you? Is there a you have a problem with the people? I can go home to a bed and breakfast, and it will never get better than my parents' bed and breakfast. So, <sighs> why would I even try? Yeah. That is a masterful, masterful non-answer because sometimes you get caught in interviews and people ask you things, and she just totally turned that from a negative to a positive. That was some fancy footwork. Fancy footwork. So. Crystal, why do you think your parents and your family is so much better than everybody else in the world? God told me. So my dad's name is Mark. And if you read in the book of um, Proverbs, I believe, it says Mark, the perfect man. So there you go. There is something. Well, she's got an answer for everything. There's something very interesting about how her brain synapses sparkle. She's a very smart person. So what about you, Josh? This must be torture for you to sit here and listen to these two lower intelligent people just <laughs> babble on like two apes <laughs> talking about hey, an ancient speak text. speak for yourself, pal. I'm over here <laughs> giving out high content, high quality content yeah. on the Bible talks. <laughs> We're like two monkeys fighting over a banana <laughs> over here. And she's over there thinking about how the world can be advanced. And Okay. Uh, what is the question? <laughs> Oh, um, bed and breakfast. Yeah, you would pick. Hotel. You would clearly pick a five star hotel, not a bed and breakfast. No, I love people. Yeah, <laughs> who wants to wake up, go downstairs? I'm. So, well, like, let's be careful. Somebody might be going to. No, a bed and I bre- will say like, we have been to a couple of really, really nice bed and breakfasts. We do it rarely. One time we did it around the Laura Ingalls Homestead. That's right. We did it once in Pennsylvania. It was phenomenal. Out, I don't remember Pennsylvania. Yeah, outside of Scranton, remember Shroot Farms. <laughs> Shroot, shroot farms. Remember, it was like it was really weird. We yeah. stayed in this, this one room that was like uh, I don't know, like irrigation themed or something. <laughs> it was no, I want to give so a weird. real recommendation. The best bed, bed and breakfast I've ever stayed in. I've stayed in a few. Yeah. Um, the best one by far was the one near Lar Ingalls. What was it? Desmet. Desmet. How do you say that? But yeah. they had a historical house. It was a very sweet couple. It was immaculately clean. So we also have to be careful with animals because my daughter and Josh both have allergies. So that's another thing. But this place, totally Such clean. Such a nerd. In the center of town. And they had it not only giving us the historical feel that we were trying to help our kids understand. Yeah. But that morning, the best breakfast. Yeah, the we, guy was the cook, the yeah, man. And he yeah. made these chocolate waffles with strawberry right. And whipped cream. And I haven't been able to replicate them to the way he did. It was yeah. so good. And then they did the Pancake Man. They had the book open for the kids to read about the Ingalls family having the Pancake Man. It was just beautiful. So there is a charm and a beauty in a bed and breakfast if There's you find it. There's nothing more charming and beautiful than a five-star hotel, though. 
downtown in a Sometimes city. I don't I will say I, I would ultimately yes, I would choose the five star hotel over the bed and breakfast, but there have been times that I've been staying in a hotel that I was disappointed. Like everybody was cold and harsh. The parking fee was like it makes me angry when they charge me a parking fee. You know, when I'm staying in their hotel, come on. No, that's part yeah, of it. it's true. We've been at, yeah, we've, I've like, stayed you in have some hotels. I would have rather been bad at $49 to park your car. I thought, man, what in the world is this all about? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so. so well, and you, of course, would choose the hotel. Oh, I'd choose the hotel. Because you like fancy stuff. I'm a fancy boy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not the first time I've said that on this podcast, but I am a. I'm a fancy boy. See, and the other thing with the five-star hotels, I think I always feel like I don't belong. Right. I'm like, I'm not really supposed to be here. And then I get scared that everything's going to cost me. So even oh, some of the free amenities, I'm like, I can't enjoy it. I'm like, I'm not going to pay extra to go and use their tennis court or to do this or that. And so I feel like it's just all these things in front of me that I can't do. Yeah. Or I could do somewhere else for half the price. It's it that, just, so it bothers me. It's called me. imposter syndrome. And there's this sense that I'm an imposter. I'm not supposed to be here. And that's really a, a feeling that not only do people sometimes get within a hotel setting, but sometimes people feel that way when they first enter into a church. This idea that I don't really belong. And that is absolutely not the case. Today we're going to talk about metaphors for the church and how if you've been brought in by Christ, you belong there. We did it! That's good. We just That's did a real segue 54 stuff. episodes in. We accomplished our very first segue. We're and like professionals now. One of these we days. We should open a bed and breakfast. <laughs> we should celebrate by opening up a bed and breakfast. One of these days, um, we'll even do it without acknowledging it. Never. Never. <laughs> so let's talk about that. We're talking about metaphors for the church and the Bible. Um, why, why so many metaphors? The reason you give a metaphor is to explain clearly and simply a difficult concept to understand. And the church itself is a difficult concept to understand. Um, the, the, the global church, people that have lived throughout history uh, up to this point who have all received mm -hmm. Christ. We talked about that a few episodes ago. Um, it's hard to understand that like ethereal concept. It's not very tangible. The idea that um, you get saved and you're part of this group, this family of God, um, and now that you're supposed to join this local assembly of believers from all these various backgrounds, it really is a difficult concept. And so the Bible gives three very beautiful metaphors that help us more clearly understand our relationship to other believers in Jesus Christ. These are the metaphors. Now, when you talk about the church, yeah. you're talking about all those who are saved, what we would call the universal church, you're not talking about the local body, are you? Well, a little of both. We're going to talk about that. But primarily, yeah, we're talking about— Because it seems like there's a metaphor, at least one I'm thinking of, that's missing. I'm wondering why. Oh, well, we're going to get to that. But yeah, in a, in a real way, when you say universal church, that's the historical term. Most people historically have referred to all those who have ever been saved, ever will be saved under the name of Jesus Christ— all throughout the world is the universal church, or what I like to prefer calling it the global church. Oh, I thought you were going to say the church of God. Yeah. No, the church of God, that's a denomination. Uh, it's also God's church, so <laughs> that could be argued. <laughs> All right. Yeah, true. So the first metaphor is the body of Christ, and you can read this about this in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 31. Um, why is this metaphor used, Josh? What's so important about the picture of the body? All right, the body of Christ is is this idea that the body itself 
is very diverse um, in its in its uh, in its creation. Right? Look at your body. You've got fingers, and those fingers only do what fingers do. You have toes. You have ankles. You have kneecaps. You have earlobes. You've got that little thing that hangs from your the bo- the top of your mouth. Your uvula. The uvula. All God's children got a uvula. All God's I'm just children. kidding. It's all God's creation, but Barney Fife on Andy Griffith says, all God's children got a uvula. All God's children got a uvula. And yeah. so we, there's a- there's Great a great philosopher. There is a specific Burn. purpose for every single one of these parts of the body. And so the Apostle Paul, uh, whenever he writes the Corinthian church, is trying to explain to them, look at all these different functions that you have. And now what's interesting is he is explaining this on a global setting, yes, but he's definitely referring to a local church. And this church in Corinth was going through all sorts of terrible stuff. The members were fighting with each other. They had sexual immorality going on. Whenever they celebrated the Lord's Supper, communion, they really messed it up theologically. Um, they had they had members suing each other. So the church was in a mess. It really was, really a bad place. And he, he ends the book of Corinthians by talking with them about the spiritual gifts God has given them and viewing their local assembly really as the body of Christ and realizing that every single one of them function separately, or or I should say sep- uh, function individually, but they function together for the sake of the the head of the body, which is Christ. Okay, so I love this idea that all the organs are different and that they all serve a purpose. In fact, I've heard this, that even the nose is what makes you shift positions in the night so that you don't, you know, sleep in one position, wake up sore, get bed sores. But I don't know how the nose does that. But even the liver has 500 different functions. Things that they once thought were unnecessary are. And you think about it, they all have a different purpose. And so God brings different people into the church who have different ideas, different gifts, different viewpoints, different backgrounds to all accomplish something specific. Yes. And here's my question. Let's get real about this. What do you think about this, Josh? Has there ever been a time in your life where you, as a member, distinctly created to serve a purpose in the body, tried to be like another member? Yes. Like trying the hand to trying do. to be the eye and whatever. Have you yeah. ever tried to be someone that God didn't create you to be? Yeah. So First Corinthians 12 says, look, if you're the hand, be the hand. If you're the foot, be the foot. The mm-hmm. eye doesn't need to see or the eye doesn't need to hear. The ear doesn't need to smell. You do what you do. And the answer is absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes by necessity and then sometimes out of pride. Yeah. So what I mean by that is sometimes within a local church that is just being started, mm-hmm. you're doing all sorts of things that you are not necessarily gifted to do, but you might be called to do. So Good you kind of stand up and, and volunteer. So I remember I was balance, helping to balance checkbooks when the church yeah. first started, right? That's not my gifting. And I was helping um, uh, do... Uh, 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 I was... Uh, helping in, in realms of local church ministry that, you know, I remember passing the offering plate. I remember teaching children Sunday school on Sunday morning uh, during the Sunday school hour mm-hmm. while um, while somebody else taught the adults, and then I would go in and preach on Sunday morning when we first. So there were all sorts of things I would do by necessity that necessarily yeah. I was not gifted in um, so that I would volunteer. But eventually, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, we got to that point. What about even when you started preaching? I know at one point your brother told you to kind of be yourself do you think at that point you were as a young preacher trying to even preach in a different style and model after other people yeah there's several times I remember doing that throughout so there was a there's a couple past preachers that I really enjoyed one was um James Kennedy Presbyterian pastor he passed Mm -hmm. away years ago Uh, but James Kennedy would stand up in a robe every Sunday morning 
and he would speak with a deep and powerful voice, hmm. and he would talk very distinctly about the theology he had been studying. And I really enjoyed the, his sermons. I would listen to them devotionally. Um, and then there was definitely Sundays that I heard sermons so powerful from him, I attempted to mimic and, mm-hmm. and try to uh, do just what he did. Yeah. And I realized that is not my function. That is not how God is, has shaped me and gifted me. Mm-hmm. And I think pastors can fall into this trap uh, quite a bit, yes. Well, it doesn't ever happen to pastors' wives. No. Just want to say that. No, the thing I think of is instead of realizing that God made me, and not that he won't grow you, he's definitely grown me, but when he grows you, it's real. Right. And when you are just trying to step into a role, not that God's called you to, but to be like that other member of the body that you feel is important and effective instead of being who God called you to be, it's just hypocrisy. It's like wearing a mask. And I can remember at times trying to be um, that social butterfly, more extroverted. Yes. And it just, I think it came off awkward because it wasn't genuine. Yeah. I mean, I had, I think sometimes even the right heart in trying to do it. I was trying to be, you know, what I thought I should be as right. a pastor's wife. But then when I understood that God has made me and called me to this local body as who I am, and yeah, he's going to grow confidence in, in me and who he is, yeah. then I'll have more of that extroversion as needed. But it's just totally different. One was a mask. The other one's very genuine love when, and grace reaching people. Yeah, when you're able to get very comfortable with how God has shaped you for the local church mm-hmm. or for the global church, and you can be very comfortable in that role and realize, okay, this is who I am. This is what God made me to be. Mm-hmm. Um, suddenly, and it's important. Yeah. I accomplished something that well, someone else isn't. Well, that's exactly what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 22. He says, nay. Much more those members of the body which seem to be feeble are necessary. Mm -hmm. So he says much more. That is, you might think of yourself, oh, boy, well, I wish I was bringing to the table what that person could bring to the table. And the answer is no, 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 no. Much more. You're very extremely valuable, even though you may seem useless or feeble is the word the King James translates it as. He says it's absolutely necessary for for the body. Now I have another question for you and our listeners, a follow-up one. Has there ever been a time in your life where you've looked at another member of the body and wanted them to be like someone else rather than saying, this is who God made them to be and they, what they're doing is good. Yes. There have been times that we have attempted to uh, amputate uh, somebody that God wants to be part of the body. And Mm -hmm. and this is both local and global. There are people that we look at um, in the local church sometimes are like, man, this person just would get out of here. Now, I'm not talking about proper church discipline. Proper church discipline is somebody who is within the church and they're sinning. They refuse to repent and they refuse to. Or false teachers. Yeah, false teachers. That's not what we're talking about. Um, But we're talking about somebody who is saved and penitent and following God. But, man, you just think, boy, it'd be better if they were not here. That's wrong. And the same thing is true when it comes to the global church. We'll do this, do this, and we'll become the the Holy Spirit. Not encouraging them, provoking them to good works, but being like, this is what you should do. Right. You need to step out of that and be this. And I think that's very dangerous. Yeah, um, I think I think it's true even within the global setting. I think sometimes we look and say, "Boy, I'll tell you if that if that person out there would just go away, boy, it sure would help the kingdom of God." Well, if they're apostates, like genuinely uh, have neglect uh, denied Jesus Christ and are um, are becoming uh, heretical in their doctrine, please Mm -hmm. look up the word heresy um, before calling somebody heretic. Then, uh, then yes, they should be uh, they should be excommunicated. But somebody who has not crossed those lines, we need to see that they have value. Not because you see their value, but because the head mm-hmm. 
of the body sees their value. So yeah. the eye can't say to the foot, I have no need of the foot, mm-hmm. nor can the foot say to the hand, I have no need of the hand. But that's what we do, isn't it? That's exactly what we mm-hmm. do. Instead, we let the head decide, you know what? You may not understand as a foot why I need the hand, but guess what? Mm-hmm. I need the hand. Yeah. And so the foot should not fight against the hand. The hand should not fight against the foot. Yeah, just this week, this is confession time here. Confess your faults one to another. I was out for a walk, and I remember um, I was thinking about somebody in the church, and I remember kind of having a negative thought of they're not going to last doing the work of God, things like that. And I remember immediately the Holy Spirit began to talk, and he said, Heather, who do you think you are? You do not have my infinite knowledge you don't know their heart. You don't know how all the ways I'm using them. You don't know their tomorrows. Why would you even put a speck of belief into something that you don't know is true? That's good. And instead, I, I confessed and I thanked God for that person. Um, and I'm not irritated. I love that person. I just want to see them be something that they're not being. Yeah. It's kind of what we're talking about. So, so it's very convicting. So I confessed it, thanked God, and prayed for him. But it's so easy to do that, I think. So you're now leaning into the concept of unity, the body, which mm-hmm. is the metaphor. The yeah. church is like a body, and the body is not only extremely ha- has extreme diversity, it also is to work in unity with one another. So just like your body has different members, they all work together. And the only way each and every one of the members of your body can function together is if it has a mm-hmm. good relationship with right. the head. So the moment the hand stops listening to the head, then that hand becomes useless to the rest of the body. Oh, that's good. And so it's true. Um, so it's true with the body of Christ. If you don't have whatever your role is, if you don't have a close relationship with Christ, if you don't have a deep daily walk with Christ, who is the head of the church, then suddenly you become useless. And this is why you can't get wrong with the rest of the body. This is why it looks like you're you're having seizures and you're mm-hmm. spazzing out and your body your body function is not working or you're upset with the rest of the body it's not because the rest of the body is wrong it's because you're not close to the head there has been a disconnection between Mm -hmm. the thought process of the head that is christ and your membership and if every part of the body was walking with christ that is having a close relationship with the head of the body suddenly the entire body would work together in unity oh that's powerful yeah that's really good and here's a shout out to Um, those in full-time ministry, those who are in lay ministry, if you are part of a growing church, let me give you a heads up about this whole body and unity thing. Because different ministries, different ministers and people within the body are going to be reaching different people, as your church grows, one of the significant changes that happens is you won't all be doing everything together. Yeah. So at first, when the church has an event, everybody goes to that one event. Right. But then as the church grows, suddenly there's different ministries that branch off, different people that have Let me give you an example. For example, in our church early on, we would say, hey, we're all going bowling. You know, 100 people Mm -hmm. at church and 28 of us would all go bowling, right? That's the whole church is going bowling. This is great. Now there's over 1,000 people that come every Sunday. Um, our church has grown exponentially, and now we have a men's group meeting, and there might be 50 men out of um, out of a group of, you know, 1,800 people who come on a on a on a monthly basis. 
And why doesn't 1,800 people show up? Well, the reason is is because yeah. everybody's got different functions, and not every staff member could be there, and not yeah. every or that's true for women's Ladies, ministry. Yeah, just yeah. because a lady doesn't come to an event doesn't mean they're not connected to yeah, the body, just, and it doesn't mean that they don't love God. They're being ministered to by another part of the body. Maybe it's a, the family ministry that they've gotten connected with. Maybe they're involved uh, so much with their small group. It could be many different things. And so instead of being competitive, realizing praise God, we're reaching who we're reaching. This group is reaching them. We're we're catching as many as we can for the cause and sake of Jesus Christ. And so realize that if you're a staff member at a church and it's growing, um, sometimes that division can creep in. You know, this is my thing. That's spiritual immaturity when we say this is mine and that's what matters. No, that's what a toddler says. Yeah. A mature believer says, okay, we're all in this together. We are one body. And while the hand is ministering here, the foot is moving forward here, and it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Diversity, yes. Divisiveness, no. And that's not only true when it comes to the local congregation. That's also true, like we said, when it comes to the global church. And one of the things I think that um, we really struggle with um, as Christians is seeing the value of the diversity um, mm-hmm. within the global body of Christ. And, and what I mean by that is sometimes we think, boy, um, you know, I wish all of these other people that claim to be Christian were just gone. And we don't understand that God may be utilizing them in a specific way that God could never use you because they have a different function, different form, and God is using them to bring others to Christ. So instead of wishing ill upon the rest of the body of Christ, instead thank Mm -hmm. Christ for the diversity uh, in the body and attempt to work in unity with the rest of the body Mm -hmm. whenever possible. So the body of Christ. I think that's so good. There's a, a woman who has written some Christian books and um, she just gets bashed and bashed every time she publishes a book. And it breaks my heart because what what's happening is they don't realize people who are bashing her don't realize that the audience she's reaching is not necessarily within Christian circles. She's reaching beyond Christian circles into even non-believers who follow her. Right. And so she may phrase something. I haven't read anything that's heresy in her book. Right. She's phrasing something, though, that is a great way to speak to a non-believer to start drawing them in. Yeah. And so I think that's key, realizing, okay, I may not always understand what's being done. And obviously there's a clear line in false doctrine and things. But I may not understand what God is doing, but he could still be working through that person in that ministry. It's just it, you need to be very careful. If you um, are beginning to condemn others who claim to be part of the body of Christ, that you're actually not condemning the body of Christ. Um, You better be very certain. And so we don't know where that line is for you. uh, But for us over the years, we've become more more, uh, concerned that whatever we're doing, we're not necessarily ripping into or condemning or going after other members of the body of Christ. Christ, because yeah, in doing so, are we we're, condemning we're his not work. just, no, we're not just condemning his, his work. Image. We're condemning him. Mm. That's his point. This is my body. So what you're doing in, in essence is you're self-mutilating oh, and what well. a terrible image it would be. So you say, boy, I don't want to do that. Well, then be careful and be very, very strategic in that. So That's the body of Christ word. in diversity and unity. Let's talk about the other second metaphor. The building of Christ. Okay, now that's an interesting one. Why do we call it the building of Christ? Because there's three aspects that uh, the apostles speak to when it comes to this metaphor that's really beautiful. The church is the building of Christ. It is. It has a cornerstone, it has a foundation, and it has a builder. Yeah. Uh, this is a really cool symbolism for the church. So the cornerstone, you're probably already thinking of some of these scriptures. Psalm 118.22 talks about the stone which builders rejected has become the headstone of the corner. And then in 1 Peter 2, 
says, Wherefore also it is contained in the scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect or chosen, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. So obviously these verses are talking about Jesus Christ, who was despised and rejected of men. Okay, so not only is Jesus Christ the cornerstone, but we also see that that uh, we see now the the metaphor of Jesus in this building. He is also the builder. Uh, in Matthew chapter sixteen, verse eighteen, it says, "I, Jesus Christ, will build my church." Uh, Ephesians chapter two says, uh, "And they are built upon the foundations upon of the apostles and the prophets." So. It's not just that Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. He is the builder of the church. And then lastly, he's the foundation of the church. First Corinthians 3, for other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So you say, well, wait a second. I thought Jesus was the foundation. He is. I thought he was the cornerstone. He is. I thought he was the builder. He is. That's the thing about this metaphor that you need to understand. We are the body, and he is the builder, the cornerstone, the foundation uh, the building of Christ. So he is. it is his he's building, everything. and he's building his building. So if we are founding our, our belief on anything but Christ, expecting anyone else to change us, a preacher or ourselves, um, that we can do the work that God has called us to, then we're going to have a very, very shaggy, shabby structure. Now, before we move on to the final metaphor, um, I want to I want to address one thing. When people say um, Jesus said, "I will build my church," um, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, a lot of times I've heard us. Now, first of all, I don't I'm not not to come at not to come at you. Don't want to go back. Come on at what we me, said bro. A moment ago. <laughs> well, sometimes we get this idea, and it said Jesus says he'll build his church, which means just sit back and read the newspaper, and the church will be fine. Um, but we forget that one metaphor touches the other. Yes, Jesus is the builder of the building. But in the first metaphor, we saw that we are the body of Christ. So who is building the church? The answer is the body. Jesus is. Who is the body of Christ? We are. So um, I think a lot of times, I think a lot of times we can um, uh, we can give ourselves an excuse of why the church of God is not moving forward because it's like, well, when Jesus wants to build it, He will. And the, and and I I can imagine the Lord is in heaven saying, "You're my body." Mm-hmm. Build it, like move it forward. Yeah. Um, now, I, I the reason why I think pastors say that to pa- one another is they say, well, Jesus will build his church when it's his time, he'll build it, is because a lot of times we feel under immense pressure uh, that we put on ourselves and we stress out about the fact the church is not being built in our own timetable, in our own way. And so we swing the pendulum so far to the other side that says, well, Jesus will build his church, we don't have to worry about it. The answer is no, no, no. He, God will allow his church to be built in his time, and yes, in what method does he use to build his church? He said he would build it. Who is he? The body of Christ. The body of Christ is to build the body of Christ. And so that that speaks to evangelism. That speaks to our opportunity and our responsibility to reach out into this world, preach the gospel to every creature, and watch the church of Christ be built. Mm-hmm. So we see these metaphors in the Bible. Uh, it's all explaining what the church is. It is a body. It is a building. And lastly, we see it is a bride. It is a bride. Yeah. And this is found several places throughout the scripture. It's found in Ephesians 5, in John 14, and even in the book of Revelation chapter 19. It's one of the most beautiful pictures of the church being the bride. 
even the story behind Song of Solomon can Im- illustrate this symbol. Yeah, we think that's the first concept of the bride of of God is Song of Solomon is clearly a love story between a woman and a man. We know that. But there's a deeper meaning that, that so many theologians have pointed to over the years, and that is Israel being the bride of 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 God. And that's not just found in Song of Solomon. Many of the prophets speak to this concept of Israel and the unique relationship, love relationship between Israel and and their God. And uh, that uh, symbolism or that metaphor is brought into the New Testament when specifically uh, John the Apostle speaks of this and is also spoken of, of course, by uh, the Apostle Paul. But really, this is Johannian theology. This is John's uh, theology more than anything. And John really wants us to understand the way Christ views us is the same way that, that, that a man views his bride in love, in purity, in the ability to um, reach out and, and sacrifice for it. And this is, a, this is an important aspect. The idea so what are the too, practical ramifications? Well, the that? idea there, too, um, in those days, the bride would wait for him to return. He would go and make a place for them to live. Yes. And then he would come back. She didn't know when he would be coming back, and she would be waiting with anticipation. And that shows exactly what we should be doing, that we should be waiting. Um, I've heard people talk about that, and I think it's not something that you can manufacture on your own. This, you know, I mean, we're told to pray, come back quickly, Lord Jesus, you know, return fast, um, to have that heart. But I think that heart is something that really can only be produced out of the more you know him. Yeah. That there are just so many days where you just, Lord, just come back today. I just... I want to be with you. I want to, you know, rejoice with you and the saints. It's just, I'm ready, Lord. I want to, I want to throw my arms around your neck and just give you a hug. You know, I'm a physical being. I yearn for that. So I think, I think that's something that it's a heart that's cultivated, that's produced out of knowledge of who he is. So I don't know that that's something that can be manufactured otherwise. Do you think it can? Uh, no, I, I love that idea. I also love the idea that as a bride, we're, 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 remaining pure for him mm. uh, there's a um there's a uh sense of uh spiritual um fidelity that's happening that um uh, the reason i don't want to allow false doctrine into my life the reason i don't want to allow false doctrine into our church the reason i don't want to allow sin and corruption into our into our home and into our minds and into our lives is because we're the bride of christ and i want to stay pure to worship him and him alone not materialism or worship of men or whatever else it might be that the bride of christ is to remain pure mm-hmm. um for 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 the bridegroom yeah that's a beautiful picture um, we see that the Lord has gone to prepare a place for us, and he'll return. We should be looking for that. Um, I think just the treasure, too, the idea of being treasured and protected yeah. by the groom, that's a beautiful picture as well. Now, the metaphor that I'm missing in here mm. is the family of God. Family of God. Why yeah. is that not listed? Because it doesn't begin with a B. <laughs> the <laughs> brothers and sisters oh. of God. The brotherhood. Boom, the brotherhood. Christ, so talk about the family of God and the metaphor there. I mean, Galatians chapter 6 talks about it, right? It talks about the yeah. household of faith. Uh, and Ephesians it's my chapter absolute two, favorite metaphor. And yeah. I cannot believe that it's not in here, yeah. you know, this resource we're using. But the the metaphor of the family of God to me is one of the best things uh, because it helps you know how to relate to other believers. Yes. That you treat those older members as fathers and mothers. You care for them in that way. Yeah, Paul told Timothy specifically. He said mm-hmm. he said to the young minister Timothy, when you see older members, treat them like their mothers and fathers and entreat them and take care of them. When you see the younger ones, treat them with purity and look at them like brothers and sisters. When you see your weird uncle, 
just love him and you know give him a hug give a laugh and move on move on and <laughs> you know it is hung it up is about a, it. Yeah. that family feel is something that is so yeah. important it's in in the american culture it really is become more important i think that's why it's one of our favorite metaphors because we don't have strong family connections in the united yeah. states like historically most cultures have had we just simply don't and so the church becomes a strong family yeah. connection there's a compassion in families for one another when you're hurting there's that compassion yeah for that family member who's hurting, there's that that righteous, not a, a sinful pride I'm talking about here, but a rejoicing with and a pride when we see someone overcoming and growing in their faith, just like you do in a fam- with a family. When we see God using a brother or sister in Christ, there's not jealousy and envy. There's pride because... You know, they're part of our family. Yeah. We love them and we're excited to see what God's doing well, with them. Well, that's true in your local context, but it's also true in the in the global context as well. Absolutely. I mean, why is it that we can become frustrated or, or uh, not frustrated, you get frustrated with family. But how, how is it that within the global context, we can't uh, reach out to a brother um, yeah. and love a brother, or be proud for a brother? Why is there mm. jealousies that arise and fightings and infightings? Yeah. And just the way maybe a patriarch might look at his children and grandchildren and great grandchildren and become very, very disappointed discouraged by the fact that the family is so divided and will never unify at a family reunion, mm. angry and fighting with each other. I wonder how the Lord Jesus feels about the church of God or or the family of God uh, around the world. Even if you don't believe in the concept of a universal church or global church, you do believe in a family of God. And isn't it terrible that God's family is so divisive and angry and fighting against one another so often, not just within, not just denomination to denomination, mm-hmm. but even within denominations. What a tragic thing to see that dishonors yeah. God. And a lot of times this dishonoring of God is held up as a as a value, a good trait. Yeah. We're contending for the faith. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? And in reality, we, you dishonor the Father mm. because of your divisive spirit. You know, one of the most meaningful things that any pastor has ever said to us mm. It's an older gentleman, and I thought there was so much wisdom oh, and grace yeah, from this statement. He said, you know, in the Bible, we're told to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And ministers of the gospel, hear me out here. Okay, pastors, pastors' wives, those serving on church staffs. A lot of times, he said, there's there's people that we can go to, other churches, other ministers, other pastors, that when we're weeping and we're hurting and things haven't gone well, they'll weep with us. He said, but all too often, there's not a place you can go to rejoice because of envy and jealousy. He said, I want you to know this will be a place you call us, call our staff. When you have a great Sunday, when God is moving in your midst, we'll rejoice with you. Yeah. I thought, what a spirit to have. I thought it meant, meant so much to me because there are times you feel like you can't share something well, let's that's just not be honest. you. God did it. Let's let's be honest about our journey. Um, yeah. Over the last 15 years, God has grown our church um, very well, and God's done a great thing. Um, but it's been amazing over the last 15 years how many people have um, have distanced themselves from us and uh, angry about all sorts of things. And um, and you wonder what happened there. Um, and we're talking about other ministers and ministries. And here's a man. He's a Southern Baptist, pastors the largest Southern Baptist church in Las Vegas or in Nevada. Mm-hmm. And his name is Mike Rochelle. And I remember he, he pulled our staff in and we did a staff uh, Round We'd table. asked him. To, they did right. some training for us. We were able to ask so, questions so about this what was to about do. Five or they six spent years their ago. time graciously doing that for us. And when he looked across the table and said, "Look, we are a place that will celebrate your wins with yeah. you," it was so refreshing because it's not something you often see. Um, yeah. Sometimes it seems that uh, that when you advance for the kingdom of God, and it is only God that's doing all these things, yeah. uh, that suddenly, <laughs> suddenly, uh, you lose relationships and you wonder why. 
and yeah. here somebody said, look, we're here to celebrate with you. And, and what's the point? It's because he saw this as a family of God. Yeah. This is God's family, and brothers should celebrate when brothers succeed, not, mm-hmm. uh, well, not become uh, insecure in, in, uh, in your own perceived non-success. Yeah. yeah. It was such a beautiful thing. I remember thinking, that's the heart that I want to have. I don't ever want to look at another ministry, at another servant of God, um, and envy them or be jealous of them. I want to rejoice with them. So we've made the decision over the decades to come that we want to be that for you. Maybe you're in ministry yeah. and you're a pastor, an evangelist, a missionary, and you, you have some great successes. We want to be the type of people that you can call us and say, hey, or just text yeah. us. Maybe you don't want to go on Facebook and be like, we have the greatest Sunday ever because people will be like, stop bragging. Yeah. Well, then call us and talk yeah. about how Facebook great the Sunday messages. is. Seriously, we, we will, will celebrate with you, with you and, and, and rejoice yeah. with you because we know it's not about you. It's about Christ's kingdom Amen. and that you're advancing yeah. the, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the building of Christ and the family of God, yeah. the brotherhood. And yeah. we will celebrate with you. We are a celebration. Uh, we want to celebrate with you as you advance the yeah, kingdom. Yeah, you got a brother Christ. and sister here who you love really you and do. are cheering for you. Yeah. Well, hey, that is episode number 54. Metaphors be with you. <laughs> and we hope you enjoyed this lesson. Heather, is there something they can do for us? Absolutely. Today? What can they do? What you can do is make sure that you subscribe to this podcast. Because you're not going to want to miss a single episode. Yeah, it's really easy to subscribe on your favorite uh, podcast platform and um, subscribe there or go to iTunes and subscribe there as well. If you're listening on 101.1 Experience Liberty Radio, fantastic. We encourage you to subscribe as well. And the reason you can subscribe is because um, uh, is you don't want to miss any of the episodes. Or even better, call in to the station manager, Crystal Heath, and let her know that you need more Bible talks Bible in your talks. Life. <laughs> <laughs> 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Yes. Uh, if you'd like to connect with us further, be sure to like our Facebook page, The Bible Talks with Josh and Heather, where we can interact with you by taking requests for upcoming episodes and answer your questions. We'd hey, love to hear from you. Hey, what's our next episode, episode 55? I avoided that in Ooh, my statements because oh. I'm not sure we've got to talk Ooh, about that. Ooh, mystery episode. So, okay, uh, we're going to Yeah, it's a it. mystery. We, we absolutely know what we're talking about next. Oh, <gasps> uh, I just wanted to be coy with hey, our audience. And... and uh, And uh, you may not always want to listen to us, but you need to remember. When the Bible talks. You better listen. Hey, we want to invite you to something very exciting. Yeah, if you love the Bible Talks, then you're going to love the opportunity to take a trip with us to Israel. Come to the Holy Land with Josh and Heather. We're going to be going November 3rd through the 13th in 2019. All you have to do to sign up is call the church offices at 702-388-7422 and speak with Melanie Graves. Yeah, we really want to encourage you to come with us. It is so much fun seeing the land of the Bible. And it's an incredible price. For only $3,800 per seat, pays for your flight, your hotel room fees, and every aspect, all-inclusive, food and everything. We're going to have a fantastic time. Now, we've been several times, and we cannot wait to go back and looking forward to seeing you join us in the great land of Israel. 